You are tuned in to the Abide Podcast with Misha Solanga. Hello everybody and welcome to it. You are tuned in to the Abide Podcast with your girl, the one and only Misha Solanga. I am so excited to be back on here because you know when I come on here, it's about time to share the word of the Lord. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I think I just want to take this moment and just um, extend my greetings to the people who are here for the first time. I realize I haven't ever done that before, but now I want to because I realize that this podcast is growing. More and more people are reaching out. More and more people are telling me that, you know, they're listening to it and that they found it via whether it's YouTube or Instagram or whatever the case may be. So I am really, really pleased. I'm very excited for what the Lord is doing through this podcast. Um, with that said, I want to holler back at my regulars. What's up, y'all? What's going on? What's happening? Love to have you again, man. It's absolutely awesome to be able to share the word of God with you. And today, yes, today, we are going to be going in again. Okay. I want to talk about compromise. I want to talk about compromise because I feel like Compromise is legit the plight of the believer at this point. You know, um, there's just so much going on in our world and it seems that that's what the enemy wants because I said this in an Instagram live video I did. Um, I think it was on Friday or Saturday. And I was just telling the audience on the live, led by the spirit because those lives, I never planned them. God is just like, let's go. And I'm like, I let's do it jesus (laughs) but something that i mentioned that struck that stuck with me in the live was you know just about how so much is going on in the world and that the devil if you believe in god the devil is not going to try to convince you at this point that god doesn't exist because i mean we're past that point right and he knows that you're past the point of trying to be confused about jesus so if you've established who you are in christ the devil's not going to try and sway you from knowing who god is instead he's now going to try and either make you busy or he's going to try and just have you compromising yourself compromising yourself and dabbling with the things of the world while still being or trying to live you know a righteous life and trying to have a a a a, a intimate relationship with jesus christ and I don't know if I mentioned this on the live, but that that just isn't possible. We cannot. We physically, I mean, you physically can, but spiritually, it's not going to line up. Physically, you can dabble with the world and you can go to church, but we know that internally in the spirit, that's not corresponding. You know, the Bible t- tells us about how, you know, what fellowship has darkness with light, you know, but we're going to go, we're going to go deeper into those kinds of things um, as the podcast goes and as this episode goes, because today I just want to talk about Abraham, right? But this is before he became Abraham and he was Abram, right? So this is before he got the name change and God came through and, and spun his life around. Um, so today we're going to be reading from the book of Genesis. That's like the main scripture that we're going to be reading on. <clears throat> Let me just head there for you. And I want to read it verbatim. Okay. Because this is literally just a picture of how entangling yourself with the world can go left real quick and how God literally, you know, God sees everything. Even though we feel like Tina, when we, when we do our own things in IT, God doesn't see us, but at the crux of it all god is watching and he's gonna expose everything in due time that's what i learned through this story is that truly anything and everything that we do he sees because he's the omnipresent god you can hide nothing from you the bible tells us that everything is naked before him Ooh, everything is naked before him. that even even with our intentions even our motives you know people can't judge our motives they can only see what we do and what we portray but god sees the motives on the inside of our hearts so even when we're doing something nice or something that's kind god is testing the motive because he doesn't care about the action he cares about the the heart behind the action anyway 
So we're reading from Genesis 12, and I'm going to start at verse 10, yeah? So follow with me. Verse 10, I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt. There's something there about that going down. He went down. It means, okay, I'm going to go in later. I'm going to just get excited. Okay, I'm going to go in later. He went down to Egypt to dwell there. Dwelling is to stay. He went there to abide. For the famine was severe in the land. The land that they speak of is the land of Canaan, which God had given to Abraham or to Abram before. Okay, but there was a famine there, so he ran. And it came to pass uh, when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to his wife, Sarah, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, excuse me, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So please say that you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake. Oh, I did Abraham just gaslight his wife. Okay, we're not even going to go there. And that I may live because of you. So it was when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abraham well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male uh, male donkeys and male female servants, male donkeys and, and female camels and female donkeys. Sorry about that. Verse 17. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Because she was where she wasn't supposed to be. You see, Abraham is now doing unnecessary things. He's causing unnecessary plagues and unnecessary troubles. This is all his fault. But but move with me. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this you have done to me? Why didn't you tell me that this is your wife? Why did you say she's your sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here's your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning Abraham, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful word. Thank you, Father God, for what we're about to learn. May you illuminate our spirits, Father God, and may we come to a deeper understanding of who you are and how you move. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So, Misha, why did you read that long 10-verse passage of Scripture to us today? Because I want to talk about compromise. Through this passage of Scripture, what we see is, is, is Abraham literally compromising himself. Before uh, verse 10 of chapter 12, we see how God promised Abraham, you know, that I'm going to take you to a land, you know, where, where your descendants will grow and be like the stars. And he said, get up from where you are and go there. Right. And we learn later that the place that God was taking Abram to was actually Canaan. And we know that when we read further down the Bible, that Canaan is the promised land for the nation of Israel. But the Bible then tells us that or um, just before verse 10, it tells us that when he got there, he spent some time there, but then there was a famine, right? Meaning there was no food. It was not looking good. The promised land wasn't looking so promising, okay? The promised land started looking not so great. And Abraham was like, you know what? We need to bounce up out of here. He didn't have that perseverance. And I mean, I know it was a famine. So what are the odds that he was going to stay in one place? But I mean, what if God wanted to provide for him in that space of famine? And and I even wrote that. I'm like, sometimes you just need to stay put because we run away from things that God promised us because they don't look the way we thought they would. We want to we, we wanna give up on things that, you know, God gave you, God showed you, this is yours. But because it's not working out the way that you thought, or it's not looking as good and as glamorous as you thought it would right now in the season, you want to hop onto the next thing. And, and I feel like, you know, someone, someone just needs to hear that you need to stay put, okay? You need to chill and you need to wait and allow God to provide for you because ooh, 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 Abram saw that there was a famine. 
and he couldn't I, I mean I don't know his frame of mind but instead of trusting that God brought me here for a reason this is the promised land God brought me to this place for a reason and he's faithful enough to provide for me even in the midst of a famine right instead what did Abram do Abram was like I things are looking bad here let's bounce let's go back down to Egypt now I mentioned that we needed to um we needed to kind of highlight the part where it says that in verse 10 he went down it says now there was a famine in the land read Canaan and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there right see when God gave him the vision and gave him the promise which was to be in Canaan that was God ascending Abraham God was lifting him up okay he was giving him a position that is higher by taking him up to the land of the promise but when Abram reached the land of the promise it didn't look like what he thought it didn't look like the land of milk and honey right and, and I mean God hadn't said that to him he said that to the later generations but when he got there it was famine it didn't look like promise so what did he do he descended he went down from the place of promise to Egypt now for y'all who don't know Egypt is actually a representation or a symbol of the world Egypt represents struggle Egypt represents slavery right and we know that as believers God delivered us from Egypt he delivered us from a slavery of sin through the death of Jesus Christ because God took um, he took away the power of sin and death right so if we look at Egypt then we understand that now so Abram went back to the place of from uh, he went back to where God delivered him from y'all know that right so 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 we, 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 we get to understand now okay this is this is how it was moving he went away from the promise of God and he descended how many of us listen God delivers us we get saved we live we have salvation we live out our faith and then something menial something dumb something stupid happens you whether it be at church whether it be a fellow believer or even within yourself you start feeling a type of way and the enemy wins in the in the battlefield that is your brain and your mind and he wins and you descend back to Egypt you backslide you go back to your old way of doing things because you because you're just not feeling what's happening right now and God says we need to we need to learn to stay put. We need to learn to not descend back to the world when we feel like things aren't looking the way that they should. That's not even the message, but like I feel like someone needed to hear that. So today we're talking about compromise, and we see that um, when we move when we move down um, to verse. Um, 11 it says and it came to pass that when uh, Abram was close to entering Egypt <laughs> it says when he was close so he wasn't even in Egypt yet he was close it says when he was close to entering Egypt he said to his wife I need I need you to know that you are a beautiful woman okay therefore this is what's gonna happen so I want you to lie for me see when you're about to go engage with the world when you're about to go engage with sin, when you're about to go into spaces that promote the things of the world and, 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 and take, listen, when you go into locations, when you interact with people who are not in line with the world and who are not, you know, conformed to the character of God, you are going to have to compromise. This is just a fact, especially if you are not rooted and established in who God has said you are and you don't know fully your identity in Christ. It is way easier for someone like that to backslide or, or, or like I said, to descend, literally, it's like a regression. When you go back into the world, when you engage with the world, when you seek help from the world, you are going to regress. Right? So 
literally the moment not even when he entered egypt before he entered like it was a premeditated thing he reverted back to old ways all of a sudden he was now promoting lying and he justified the thing is the devil is going to have you justify your sin that's just a fact you're going to want to justify your sin and that's how the enemy operates he makes it like you know when you feel like i had no choice that's a lie you always have a choice Abram could have stayed in the land of promise that God gave him, but because things didn't look good, he, he opted to go back to the world. And because he was engaging back with the world, back with Egypt, back, back with slavery and a bondage mentality, he reverted back to lying. Now he was, pro he was promoting lying even to his wife. He told his wife to lie for him. He justified that lie by saying, you know that you're a beautiful woman and if they see you, they're going to want to take you and kill me. So we can't tell them that you're my wife. You need to lie and say you're my sister. Right? So he devised a lie to protect himself. So sin becomes justified when you engage back with the world. That's why many people find it hard to come back to God. Because they've justified the sin for so long. Once, once you get there, you start, you start justifying. You're like, no, you know, I just, I felt this way. Or it just happened. You know, sometimes maybe God wanted, no, 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 no. Do not bring God into your mess. You know how many times people be out here blaming God? If I see it on social media all the time. And they're like, no, maybe God, God allowed this to happen. What? Please don't, please don't fracture God into your mess. When he wasn't there, you were making decisions by yourself. Now you want to add God because things have gone wrong. Please, guys, don't do that. So when we interact with the world, it makes us a deceiver. Because remember, the prince of the air, rather the ruler of this, not the earth, but the world. When I speak about the world, I'm not, I'm not speaking about the earth as in the creation of God. I'm speaking about the systems and the behaviors of the world. Those things that enslave us to sin. Those things that the devil promotes because they take us away from God. That is when we say worldliness. It's, it's anything that is not um, conformed into the will and the likeness of God. That is what I mean when I speak of worldliness. Okay, so when we dwell and we go back into that system, we neglect God, we neglect being like him, which is what we've been called to do. See, when Abram devised this lie, he didn't think or consider about what his actions were going to do. He didn't consider the fact that he was giving up his wife, essentially. Imagine, this is someone that you're, you're promised to, this is someone you're covenanted with. This was, this was someone that was a part of him because remember, when people get married, they become one. And that is an ordinance of God. So now he gives up his, oh, he breaks covenant. That's what Abraham was doing. He broke covenant. And that is what happens when we fall back into the ways of the world. We break the covenant that we have with God. Right? We break that relationship that we've built. We, 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 we fracture it. We fracture the relationship that we have with God when we go back into Egypt. So we need to be careful of these things. Being back in Egypt made Abraham selfish and a liar. He was, he was, he was very self-aware. Uh, he was like, okay, I need to do this to protect myself. Forgetting that his ultimate protection was in God. So now he, he devised lies, he made up things, you know, he concocted schemes. Who, who is the God? Who is the God of schemes? Who is the Lord of schemes? If we think about it, it's the devil. Read Ephesians 6. It tells us that our enemy is, he's a, he's a divisor of schemes to bring the brethren down. And just by being in close proximity with Egypt, Abraham started lying. He started deceiving. He started, he started uh, uh, being selfish 
and, and, and being filled with selfish ambition. He wasn't even in Egypt, but those things started happening. Who are we to think that we can engage with the world and be safe? See, I'm not saying that we need to withdraw, you know, and, and be people who live in a, in, a, in a bubble as Christians and not, you know, be out there. What I'm saying is, as Christians, we are urged to separate from evil associations of the world. The earth itself is beautiful. It's not the devil's. That's God's. God created that and he's not about to give it to the devil anytime soon. But what we need to disassociate and divorce ourselves from is the systems and the associations that bring out the carnal nature in us. 2 Corinthians 6 uh, verse 14 to 15 tells us, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion, what relationship has light with darkness? You see, when we try to, and this is something I struggled with, with like for a while, and God had to force me. Like, it hurt when God does it, but I couldn't do it by myself, so God had to separate me. There had to be a separation taking place between myself and even relationships, like friendships, that, that were rooted in the world. Because when I was with those friends, I was carnal. I didn't mean to be. I didn't mean to be, but just by the mere fact of being in close proximity with them, something about me was altered. So, so, so we need to, we need to understand that this is not saying that you need to stop, you know, loving those people, but you need to understand your weaknesses as a person. And if you know that being in a certain space, being in a certain group of people is going to affect you, that it's going to mess with what God is trying to do in your life, you need to separate and understand that, you know, it's like discipleship, friendship you know, or discipleship, um, dating, believing that you have the power to change someone. You can only live out your true testimony. You can only, you know, highlight what God is doing in your life, but it's not your job to change the person. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And a lot of us are taking on the Holy Spirit's work in trying to convert people. That's not your job. Your job is to live an authentic an authentic and true, you know, no, no, believer's life, a, a, a truly transformed life and allow God to do the rest. So, what am I saying? When we come into contact or when we, when we get into close proximity with, with um, the evil associations of the world, we start compromising. And we see this in the life of Abraham, right? Let's read Ephesians 5.11. It says there to us, um, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship and we know that fellowship is basically friendship. It's friendship. It's, it's having a relationship. He's basically telling us in Ephesians 5 to not, this is Apostle Paul. He says, don't have a relationship. Don't even pursue a relationship with the evil that is, that is a part of this world. Don't do it. How many of us actively pursue it? <laughs> have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Tina, we want to go straight into them. We want, we want to be in there. We want to be within them, but still proclaim. It's like Christians going to the club. I used to do it when I was in, vars in high school. Uh, was it, yeah, it was like high school and then like I think first year of varsity because I really wanted to balance the best of both worlds because I thought that by being in the club, I was living my best life. But I only later came to understand that my best life is being found in Jesus Christ. So I would go to the clubs. I would do all. I didn't drink. Don't get me wrong. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, but I just wanted to be in that atmosphere because I felt like, yo, I vibe here. I'm dancing, I'm living my best life. 
But God was like, I, I really got convicted one Sunday after I was at the club and I came home at like 3 a.m. in the morning. And oh, bless my parents, shame. They really hated it, but they, they, legit, they let me live my life. They were like, you know what? We're going to let you do you and pray. We're just going to keep praying for you that God is going to come and rescue you at some point. <laughs> so I would get home at like 3 a.m. and then I'd, I'd go to church and my parents were like, you're going to come to church. We don't care if you're in the club at 3. And then I'd get to church and I'd be so tired. And this one Sunday, God just convicted me about being a lukewarm Christian and how it is impossible for me to please him and also please the world that I cannot serve two masters and that is what majority of Christians are trying to do we are a compromising generation go read revelations guys God does not want people who are on the fence you gotta pick a side any side and stick to it even in the, in the Old Testament, God says to the people, listen, I bring before you two options. I said, there is death and there is life. I suggest you choose life. He's not going to choose it for you. You need to make a conscious decision and be able to make the sacrifices that are necessary to pursue that life that God has in store for you. Okay, but I had to come to an understanding that there is truly no benefit in trying to, to be yoked with the world as well as with God. It's just not going to work. Okay, listen to this one. This is, uh, this is 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thess um, Thessalonians, and it's in uh, chapter 3. And listen to what it says, chapter 3, verse 6. Very simple. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he has received from us. I want to read it for you in another version so that it can be simpler. I'm reading from the NLT. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the culture they receive from us. See, he's not saying stay away from the world. Yes, stay away from the people of the world, but even within the church, stay away from believers who are idle, who are not producing good fruit, because it's a lot of them in the church, sadly. And we, some, some of us can name them by name. And God says you need to separate yourself from those people because they are going to lead you. Remember, do not be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. I have a good testament of that myself. I know that there are certain people that sometimes if I hang out with them, I might catch myself slipping. And God will remind me in the moment that if you weren't in this place right now, this wouldn't, this wouldn't be happening. But because you're sentimental and you want to hold on to those friendships because they make you feel good, now you're, you're slipping. And it's, it really hurts. It really hurts. But we need to understand that we need to make sacrifices for this God. We need to make sacrifices for this relationship. If you want to protect the sanctity and the beauty and the holiness of your and the intimacy of your relationship with God, you need to, have, you need to make sacrifices. There's no two ways about it. But believers of this day and age want to have two ways about it. You want to have your cake and eat it. No, sweetie. Mm-mm. No such luck here. You need to make a choice. Pick a side. Any side. I hope for your sake you pick the right side. But we need to come to a point of decisiveness. That's the thing. We can't be indecisive Christians anymore. That, that, that period, that phase, that epoch has passed. That juncture in time has passed. We need to mature. It's too many immature Christians right now making immature decisions because you, you refuse to be decisive. I mean, I'm decisive with my food order. I'm, 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 I mean, indecisive with my food order, but I can never be indecisive about my God and my relationship with him. If it requires me to cut off some people, best believe I'm going to do it. 
doesn't mean it feels nice. But I understand that my feelings are not God. God is God. Okay? So we all need to come to that realization and that understanding that we need to be set apart from the world. If we say we want to abide in Christ and we want to bear fruits of being in Christ, we need to be separate from the world. Okay? You can't be rooted in Christ and rooted in the world. It don't make sense. Okay? I really hope that this word encourages you, you know, and, and, and it encourages you to, to move away. Listen, it's not going to be easy. That's the thing. People think that walking with Christ is going to be automatically easy. That when you make the decision, everything is going to go smooth and it's going to be nice. Not necessarily. <laughs> you have to come to a point where you understand that that's not always going to be the case. And you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And I think that's the big thing with us Christians this, in this day and age. We struggle to make the hard decisions. We struggle to make the tough choices. That's because we're childish. Children can't make decisions. Sons, mature sons and daughters of God, they can make decisions. They can make sacrifices for the benefit of their relationship with God, for the benefit of the purposes of God. When you understand that you're called for a time such as this and that you have a purpose upon your life, you will make decisive decisions that are going to benefit what God is trying to do in your life. Not what you feel. Okay? I'm going to stop right there because like the Holy Spirit's like, alright, message, message has been sent. And that's, that's what it is, man. Just always trying to please God. And I hope you come to that understanding that backsliding is not going to take you any further in your relationship when you keep going back and forth between God and the world. Someone needs to stop that right now and I'm speaking to you. Stop doing that thing where you're going back and forth with the world. I did it. It didn't take me anywhere. Because you take five steps forward with God and you backslide, it takes you a hundred steps back. And it gets harder each time to come back. So stop doing that. I love you guys so much and I thank you for tuning in to this, um, this episode. I hope that you are blessed. I hope that God, you know, just... He, he, he does a work in you. And I know He will because the Word of God doesn't fall for no reason. The Bible tells us that when God sends out his word, there is a reason for it. Someone needs to hear it. He wants to deliver someone through it. So may you allow deliverance to take place in your heart right now. I love you guys so much. Um, today is the 26th, Monday, the 26th of April. And on Thursday, we are having an abide session um, fellowship. You know, we're having an abide session. So join us on Zoom. Do follow me on social media so that you can get all the relevant information for that Zoom session. I cannot wait to interact with you guys and just hear what's going on in your lives and share the word with you. But from myself, Misha Solanga, it's time to say goodbye. Have a wonderful day, evening, morning, whenever it is that you listen to this. Bye, guys.